0: Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's (laughs) Isaiah! Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows, and you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about, like, crazy, incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date, and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spoke also has a, a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um... It's just, you know, like our tournament episodes are going to be, Oh like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Farrell. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of My Brother's Sneakers' exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash mybrotherssneakers. MBS, MBS. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day.
1: Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get it. I 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool.
2: Audio.
1: Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. And Happy New Year. That's if you're listening to this show when it comes out, because uh, some people might listen to this, you know, six years from the time I'm recording this, and it could be, you know, June. In that case, happy June, everybody! Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been a little sick. I was sick throughout the holidays. Uh, really pretty awesome to be... I mean, I don't do anything on Christmas anyway. But my lady and I just sit around and kind of drink eggnog infused with bourbon and eat all day, so uh and frankly i can do that with a chest cold it doesn't matter uh but before we continue into the uh my my diatribe here <laughs> uh if you're a first time listener please uh thank you very much and i appreciate you uh coming and spending the time listening to my show and hello to old listeners uh who may be old and young or young at heart <clears throat> uh and if you haven't listened to the show before it's what the title there implies it's a conversation with me and a really awesome uh dude or female or uh, transgender person i uh, <clears throat> uh today's guest is uh Jerry Stahl, uh legendary author i Fatty Permanent Midnight uh he's written a bunch of m- movies and other things, and uh Jerry's a reoccurring uh guest, so, uh, so we have a familiarity. Uh, he does the show every couple of months. We were trying to do every month, but he's a busy dude. Uh but still, that's uh Jerry's one of the most interesting and if humorous people I've ever met, and that's a uh, it's a great honor to have him on the show and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh I just uh I don't know. It's new year. I'm having anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording and with Jerry and I talk about this uh, I'm recording a comedy album in a couple weeks and uh I, it's only a portion of it's going to be stand up, and then I'm going to try to do some crazy other stuff with it. And it's—I uh, have to say—it's—it's uh, it's inducing anxiety. I'm waking up throughout the evening. It's—I—I I was thinking about this in my fit of uh, non-sleep. Uh, I was like, most people would be really thrilled and excited, and just couldn't wait to do this. And I'm sort of like uh, approaching it like a, a prostate exam. I just can't wait to get it over with. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, can we? But I have to write this whole other part. I don't know. It's driving me nuts. And uh, I don't know. The, this this part this part of the year, like the first couple weeks of January, or maybe even the month of January, is just. I don't know, man. Maybe it's an age thing or what. But just like the new year and like, processing what. I think when you get to my age, you you're not only just processing like, oh, that was a shitty year or that was a okay year, you. You start processing, like, oh, that's another one of those years in a, a sequence of many. it's <laughs> oh, another one of those, you know. I jokingly said the other day, like, you know, like, uh, I said that 2015 is going to, this is going to be my year. But I've been saying that since 1978, you know, about every year. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, after a while, you just start to realize that life is, uh, you know, uh, existential, uh, uh which was the other thought I was like man if, if if everybody else could just relate to my existential crisis, then you know your job wouldn't care if you showed up on time and they wouldn't care about profits and all these things, and then we could all just sort of just laze around like some uh bohemian French person or something. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to uh figure out my emotions here into a microphone. Uh, I am, though, I am excited. I mean, like, uh, about 2015. uh, For one, you know, I mean, I am, I'm going to have an album come out. I have uh, my friend Demorge Brown uh, is making a short film out of a piece I wrote. Uh, You know, so there's exciting things going on. Uh, I'm going to make an appearance on Abby uh, Abby Hoffman. (laughs) Boy, that would be really exciting if I could appear on a dead guy show. Abby Hoffman rose from the grave and he has a television show and I'm a guest on it and it's I think it's going to be a big thing for my career. Uh, Abby Martin. Abby Martin is I'm going to appear on her show this month. And uh and I'm getting married and supposedly the Chicago Cubs are going to be good. So you know, for the first time in uh you know, but I've I've bought into this before. Uh yet all these positive things and a hue of depression fills me brain. And I just don't really know why. Um, But it's that new year. I think it's that post-holiday. Jesus Christ, I spent a ton of money. You know it. You're probably going through the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, that's enough of my garble-gabble. If you can, go to my website, thematwire.com, It uh, informs you of all things that are me donate some money, use my Amazon link at the Feral, my Feral Audio page, uh, and that helps uh, support the show because uh, I would like to do some new and interesting things with the show this year, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, I can get finance to do that. I'm going to try to go to Chicago for a week as a goal, and record. I, there's so many great people in Chicago, and I'd like to get a better recorder to do so. Um... You're all wonderful people, though. And here is my conversation with Jerry Stahl.
3: It makes me feel very Walter Winchell. Oh, oh yeah. You know, just holding the thing.
1: That's what I learned. I went to, because Walter Winchell made me think of this, I went to Atlanta to do some shows, and I realized all my references are... Not for kids. <laughs> no, I know. I, I talk about Frank Sinatra Jr. being Crosby.
3: I just wrote a Marin with, like, fucking Saul Mineo joke. I am like, that's... You brought it up. I know
1: Sal Mineo, Rebel Without a Cause, yeah. got killed in an alley, supposedly for cruising gay sex, is what this story was.
3: Yeah, but how many people know that, or even care? <laughs>
1: I've realized I'm just a fountain of information that, like, is very... Well,
3: you're too young to have old references, man. Uh, I think I, I grew mm-hmm. up...
1: The TV I grew up with was that pre-cable though, oh, and it was shit. it was you all reruns and old movies. Oh, that's kind of great. Like I grew up like my one of my heroes as a kid was Ernie Kovacs, which I think wow. is pretty that's pretty sophisticated. It's the one thing my father suggested to me that actually he, he said Ernie Kovacs and Danny Kay and I.
3: Danny Kay.
1: I didn't really like Danny Kay as a kid. I just Danny a
3: little rough, but you know. it's a
1: little too muggy for me my like.
3: Well, different time.
1: Loved it, the Marx Brothers and the uh, Abbott and Costello.
3: And the Ritz brothers.
1: The Ritz brothers, that's a they're yeah. I looked them up on YouTube a while ago. <laughs> <You said it. laughs> but I know that I know that's I didn't know if you were trying to try uh, tried to one down you
3: <laughs> Well, you may think the Marx Brothers are good. What about the Ritz brothers?
1: Uh they actually I watched some and I was it was kind of it was very watered down Marx brothers. Mm. Are you mm. uh, are you an Orson Welles fan? Sure you know they're, they're releasing his last movie next year yeah I think does uh, he cut it he what's his name Bogdanovich cut it oh nice I guess he left extensive notes but hmm. I don't know that what it's, is
3: it it's I forget what it's called can I talk from over here I think so do I have to
1: yeah they can always make it louder later
3: do we know how well that worked out First time. <laughs> did you have to throw out the whole tape or something uh this is this what-
1: Oh, yeah. No, that was the wire. The wire. The wire was... The cord was funky.
3: All those Bon Mo. Did, uh... Is it... Is what embarrassing? I
1: was... Because I I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I'm like wild... Are we on the air? Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm mildly obsessed with the Bill Cosby thing.
3: As as one is. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I feel embarrassed, though, because I never, like, get caught up in... Because it's Cosby or because it's rape? Because it's like a celebrity
3: but i think the one thing that i'm surprised and this that, is the first celebrity you've ever been like just like fat.
1: the the trash stuff like scandal type stuff hey, and man. fatty arbuckle because of your
3: book but <laughs> is it trash though i mean come on
1: the one thing i feel like that no one has brought up that i th- it, that fully is like that people are like oh it's like about just how much power we give celebrity and how we shouldn't be surprised when somebody isn't as they are portrayed on television like i don't do you feel like they're bringing that up? people are so enamored with celebrity that it's like this it's almost like a cult now to me so
3: for you now, if like anybody turns out to be a fucking you know kind of roofie giving <laughs> rapist wouldn't surprise you anyone
1: uh i mean we shouldn't be i mean it's surprising that it, he's such a well if he is like a such a lech, but
3: I mean, well, there's Lech and there's a guy right. who knocks women out and <laughs> rapes them. I mean, that's a yes. big difference between that and Lech.
1: But I heard something when, about this when I was like 18. A game show director once said, he was like, oh yeah, he preys on young women. And I remembered that like when this started. Is, came it, up.
3: Was that happening while the game show director was molesting you? Yes. <laughs> I actually... Said, Cosby does it. No, I actually what?
1: think the guy was because I was 18 and he was... What, he were was like, hanging, what were you doing for him? My friend was hosting a, a children's game show and that this guy sure directed was.
3: children's game show <laughs> well what was it called
1: i can't remember but the host was hal sparks i don't know if you know who that is who he's later. the legend the legend
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure <laughs> you're going to make this cut on my lip uh, brag open
3: that's okay I'm, I'm missing a tooth that i have a, a sort of titanium screw sticking out of waiting to get a implant so I have a Jubilee thing. I'm kind it's, of working.
1: Uh, I got a lot of friends who my other friend Andy Paley, has the same thing right now. I am feeling a little left Quality out. problem. Quality. <laughs> teeth problems are my biggest like my biggest neuroses.
3: I mean even when my teeth were all on my head they were just horrific. Like English people would shun me. Really? Like, yeah it was bad but now it's worse.
1: I have a lot of neurotic dreams that my teeth fall out. And well you know what that means right? That I'm neurotic?
3: Well, I mean, if you believe Freud's interpretation of dreams, that's a uh, castration dream. Really? Yeah.
1: How is that castration?
3: A well, lack of power.
1: Oh, I don't understand how that connects to my. Well, take it up with Freud,
3: because I'm not going to defend him. <laughs> do you get? Do you buy into Freud? Uh, only when it comes to teeth. <laughs> I find that if I'm having a, a molar, <coughs> a molar dropping dream, yeah. Then you believe somebody him? out to fucking emasculate me?
1: Yeah, but but that's me. Yeah, yeah that's you. Uh, were him and Carl Jung like kind of rivals, or,
3: or were they? Well, Young, kind of Young well, was kind of his protege, and then he just was, they took this trip to America, and uh, on the boat, Freud kept passing out. He had fainting spells. Really? Around Jung yeah. That's, he was intimidated. For real? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, unless he was pretending to faint, but that's that's a little Victorian.
1: I heard a story about a guy who once faked a heart attack in a TV pitch because it wasn't going well, and he just couldn't think of any other way to get out of there.
3: That's pretty <laughs> meaningful. What I've, happened? How'd it go?
1: I, I, I don't know what the follow up to the story is. I just it's one did, of those. Did he have some to get in an ambulance
3: to pull it off? I think or? they did. <coughs> that's wow. pretty extensive. What if they gave him the paddles?
1: I hope not. That's not good. They I would they assume a heart that, attack. Wouldn't they know yes. right away?
3: Paramedics? I do I've never, I, I've neither been paddled nor paddled with those things. <laughs> I've never had heart. You know, a heart attack. One of my yets.
1: One of my, yeah. Another thing I'm neurotic about. I'm neurotic about a lot of things. Death is one of them.
3: Is it death or is all the horrible shit before you get there? Uh, I think it's like, the horrible. If you hor- could just be dead, would that be okay? That's or is the it, way I, I pray. Right, opposed, I, so it's not really death. It's the means by which you're delivered kind of. Yeah, like I've. Could, has anything ever sounded more pretentious than what I just said? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! I think the means by which you're delivered. I thought that
1: was it was rather poetic. It didn't sound pretentious Thank to me at all. No. No. But I just finished reading a very poetic Nelson Algren book, so maybe poetic. Yeah,
3: you're all Chicagoed up.
1: I am. I, which is, I want to move back. The girl doesn't want to.
3: The girl. The, the future <laughs> the girl, wife. What are we? 1958. The girl. Little lady, the
1: dame, the dame,
3: uh, doesn't want to. I don't know. Well, um, what would you do back there? I guess you, you could get a job doing what you're doing now, right? I
1: figure if I'm gonna bartend, I might as well bartend in a,
3: in a city you like with people you yeah. like. I guess. Yeah, I made
1: more money bartending when I was t- in 1991 than I do in LA bartending.
3: Does that what does that have to do with the economy or the stat? I think just bar the bar
1: on? culture is is different there. It's more of a social, like people. There's bars in on every corner almost, and yeah, it's a real it's a real town to ruin your life in. It's real good.
3: Well, so you make more money at sort of neighborhood. I think bars? people
1: tip more, yeah, and
3: it's because you know them.
1: You I know suppose. them, and it's more consistent.
3: Yeah. yeah, what kind of people come to the bar you're at now? Where is it downtown? Is it Al's Bar? No,
1: no, I don't. Is Al's Bar still no, exist? No, I don't want you to say that yet. Because I, I heard they were reopening it or trying yeah. to. Uh, it's on Fourth between Spring and Maine. It's a stone's throw from Skid Row. At night...
3: Nobody skid row drinks there, right?
1: Oh, some... Well, a little bit. Not they, as bad. Do
3: they, they weave in and you...
1: I've had to... I've had to... A couple times where I thought I was going to have to hit a guy in the head with a Magnum flashlight. One of those big... What was he doing? He just kept growling at me.
3: <laughs> Literally growling?
1: <laughs> Literally growling. And I would be like, you got to go. And he just... Rah. I think he was uh, drug-fueled. to did take it, have, And crazy on that. Did he time. have
3: cash to cover his drinks?
1: He didn't get to... He didn't order. He just came in he just and... just came
3: in and growled at you? Yes. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, we get thugs. How's the interview going so far?
1: I enjoy this. I okay, How do you right, feel? Good. 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 Okay.
3: Um. You got thugs? Do you say?
1: We get a lot of wannabe thugs from the suburbs who think they're thugs, and then, and then so they act all tough. So who do they prey on? They just. They don't really get into fights. They get into some fights, like I told you before we started recording. Oh,
3: was that a neo-thug fight?
1: That was a neo-thug fight that got big, and then like Mm. I guess one of the doormen tried to break it up, and then other. What
3: kind of doorman you got? Big guys.
1: Big guys, but he got jumped. (laughs) It's like really, yeah,
3: it got ugly. It
1: was literally. I was like, I'm. Did you call the
3: cops or what'd you
1: do? They got him out. The cops like helicopters. The whole thing came. Really. Yeah, it was because it went out into the street, and.
3: it's, I mean, it's was a it great like a real, way to was be. It like a riot? Or it's two guys?
1: No, it was... It, I would say maybe 10.
3: Nice. That's yeah. old school.
1: And it's good because when you're, you know, when you're nearing your 50s, you really want to be working in a place that your life can be threatened on a regular basis. You're
3: behind the bar, right? I mean, can't you just...
1: Yeah, I'm always waiting, though, for the day where I'm somewhere and some guy's like, hey, you're that fucking bartender who kicked me out.
3: Oh, shit. But
1: I don't go to a lot of bars, so I don't think it's going to... But it's still a...
3: I never thought of that. You're a marked man.
1: I've yeah. Fuck. But I don't go to bars a lot, so I you
3: don't. No. You're in Glendale, right?
1: Beautiful Glendale.
3: I work there now.
1: Oh, is that where the offices are? Who's Aaron's
3: at? Yeah, in the Hollywood Glendale.
1: I've, what street is that on?
3: Lexington and Brand.
1: Is it? Does he just have the offices over there because he lives in Highland Park?
3: I don't think it's his decision. It's Fox or whoever, but it works out. I mean, it's a great. Tiny little drive.
1: How are you liking uh, working on that show? Oh, it's great. It man. seems like it would be a riot.
3: Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, after all these years with my head up my ass writing books and scripts and shit, <laughs> instead of being in a room with like, you know, comedy guys.
1: That, is that kind of a first, being in a.
3: Like, an absolute a- first. I've never had a staff job in my life. Really? Mm-hmm. I always thought you were like. I'm having the career now that most people would appropriately have at like 24 or 30. Maybe.
1: But you've written for like a gazillion shows, no? Yeah, but
3: I never, I never took a gig. I had this thing about taking jobs. I don't know what it was. Well, I do know what it was. I didn't want to have a job.
1: <laughs> Not having a job is one of the best things on earth.
3: I mean, if you if you can work and make money and do all right without punching the proverbial clock, but but you know what? It was it was misguided because it's actually it's. I spent most of my life trying to avoid people, only to realize late in life that I, I kind of love collaborating. So. This is uh, it's cool. You know.
1: Collabor- collaborating comedically is is by far fucking easier than doing it on your own. Like trying to write.
3: Trying to well yeah it's just a different. You're just hanging out all day, you know, and then you you know you go writing your own and you come in and I mean there is that thing of having your script read communally. But, <laughs>
1: is that you know, yeah? How's that would that's a little well mad.
3: it's like. Some guys can comfortably walk naked through a gym, you know, in the locker room, and some guys need the towel.
1: I'm a towel guy.
3: Depends on the script. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but like, but no- something like a novel, do you sort of have to be secluded? In.
3: Yeah, it's just, it's just a punishing, self-induced, you know, who is it, like, somebody much smarter than me, Will Self, somebody said it was like sanctioned. Writing a novel like Sanctioned schizophrenia um, which would make sitting in a room with you know Dave Anthony Mark Maron a little difficult <laughs> or easier one or the other, but I mean it's great you know it's great working with really kind of just comedy genius type guys who are kind of on fire all day long on and off it's it's great,
1: yeah do you I've been dealing with like writer, agent, manager stuff uh, about a book possibility, and mm-hmm.
3: it's... Your memoir?
1: No. Okay. <laughs> Somebody read these short comedic pieces I oh, liked, great. and then he took them to this... Well, this guy told me that the, he was like, I think we can publish this, and then mm-hmm. while it's in development, we can try to get you like turn it into a TV show, and I was like, okay. Wow. And of course, it doesn't happen that way, because...
3: Well, I, I, is it over?
1: Uh, it's not over, but they w- want the. Once I talked to the agent, she was like, "No, we can't sell this." She's like, "It's great, but it's as not As a
3: book or is a TV. It's a
1: book, so they want something with more of a."
3: well, well fuck them.
1: I don't, but I know, but I. W- what well, were you going
3: to say? I was going to say, are you going to write it anyway, or is it contingent on them telling you to?
1: Oh, it's a finished thing. I already have. Like I've So had you it, have a
3: book already?
1: It's a, like a, a manuscript of short
3: pieces that I just I put find an agent who wants to send it out, man.
1: Okay. You, you want to
3: take career advice from me? My books sell in the high twos, so you know, listen to me. But you,
1: I mean, you're a legendary author. I would say, don't you view yourself that way? I have people who I'm not kidding you are jealous that I get to speak to you every once in a while.
3: I don't know those people, but <laughs> I think they might be. I think they might be making carnival with you. <laughs>
1: Making Carnival, whatever is that? I, I like I, I that. I don't even
3: know whatever that is. I I, I lifted it from somewhere. <coughs>
1: I kept when I was reading the Algren book. I kept thinking I was going to lift it, and then I can't. I, my memory's shot. I yeah. can't well, remember they'll,
3: things. they'll just creep into your conversation. Yeah. Uh, but Jesus, man, man with the golden arm, walking the wild side.
1: And that was all pre, like uh, he was, like pre the Beats and pre, like that was, f-
3: yeah. The thing that Phil told me was great about him is he just stayed like in this Polish neighborhood in Chicago. Never left.
1: I used to live in that neighborhood. Yeah? Yeah. You probably saw him. No, I lived there in the 90s. Mm. I wish. I did see Mike Royko step out of the Billy Goat Tavern which was a huge thing for me. Mike Royko. That's my three favorites is Royko, Studs, and Algren.
3: You are a Chicago guy. (laughs) So you were actually, you were raised there or
1: I grew up in the suburbs outside.
3: Yeah, but you were the, you were like the child bride of Second City, right?
1: I was. Yeah, and I'm proud. Though that ended poorly with Second City. What happened? You didn't tell me that. Oh, they just Well, they. I technically got fired. They called it not renewing my contract, but.
3: What was your contract to do?
1: Uh, write and perform the reviews because we'd have each. And how long
3: were you doing that for?
1: I was there for a long time. I was. I was there for. I'd done it for six years so I think I was fine with
3: why did they fire you?
1: they wanted diversity you performed
3: performed quite a lot
1: yeah I also was kind of uh, a little rebellious (laughs) Mm -hmm. we didn't a couple cast members and I kind of would go off script a lot
3: they don't like that
1: and at the time we would uh, have a lot of beer backstage and they didn't like that I see
3: I was in my 20s you can't be the first person who did that
1: oh I know but they were trying to yeah yeah, no Bill Murray claims that Second City is the reason he became an alcoholic really? Well, it used to be like when I first started hanging around there, you could just walk behind the bar and pull, pull, pour yourself a beer.
3: The whole time you were performing?
1: Uh, like in the afternoon. Like you could just nice. walk into the theater and have a beer and just never pay. The, wow. Just booze was frequent. Hmm.
3: Drugs too or just alcohol?
1: People did a lot of drugs, but they hid that a little bit more. But there was definitely a lot of
3: cocaine. So is comedy more a drug thing or a booze thing for the performer?
1: I think it depends. I mm. think there's a lot of pothead comedians.
3: Yeah. and then Can the, you tell? What different comedians are working behind?
1: Yeah, I would say Chicago comics tend to be boozers for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the what more about n- L.A. I think a lot of people like boo uh, weed
3: mm.
1: mostly. I don't know any like cokehead comedians anymore. Well, that,
3: those days may be over.
1: I couldn't imagine performing yeah. on cocaine. I've tried writing on it. That didn't go so well either. What happened? I just kind of like scatterbrained. Mm. I have to be pretty clear. I have to be right first thing in the What's anymore.
3: the name of your soon-to-be unpublished book?
1: <laughs> it's a really long title, so let's see if I can uh, remember. The one of the short pieces? Yes. I think it's called Sex... You, you think it's called? <laughs>
3: what, what the fuck, man? What, what, I don't even understand this. What's happening? You don't Does know it, the title
1: it, of your own book? Well, I don't know exactly the order. It's uh, Sex right Love... Right in
3: your arm, man. Somebody might ask you. Oh, Maybe I should just get a tattoo. Yeah. Well, sex, what, what is it?
1: Sex, Love, Life, and Death, I'll Succeed at One.
3: Slower, please.
1: Sex, love, life, and death, I'll succeed at one. I think. I can't remember. It was something I wrote six years ago. I thought it was dead until it still may be dead. How did this person happen to read it? A lawyer friend of mine.
3: A lawyer friend of yours. But he's,
1: yeah, just sort of, Mm -hmm. I go to him when I need help with show business. Yeah. Yeah. He gave it to this guy in New York. Oh. And then that guy liked it. And then, but then I had to write a whole proposal they
3: want something proposals for proposals are rough proposals are harder than books man I fucking hate them I've only done one that didn't work out well
1: they only wanted a two paged one for for to see if they want to find an idea that they could work with and sell
3: and you did you couldn't do two pages
1: oh I did it just was took me forever yeah they two
3: pages is harder than 20 they want
1: something to appeal to women they say I think they're viewing me as a comedian you sound a little
3: bitter my friend <laughs> Sound just a little, little rushed limbosh.
1: I get a little, I get a little mad when the people are like,
3: "Why don't well, you do it this so, way?" Do you ever think maybe they're the wrong people for you? Uh,
1: yeah, I think that almost every day.
3: Yeah, well, there's probably somebody out there, man. How do
1: you go and get an agent though? It's not like you can go. Uh, I mean, I know enough honestly, people. Honestly, I don't
3: them. have a book agent now myself. So,
1: but you have an agent.
3: I have movie agents, but I don't have a book agents. They don't now.
1: deal with book stuff.
3: Apparently not. But um, I was working with an agent for years, great guy, but he sort of switched to archives because there's more money in dead writers than a live one like myself.
1: That's what, according to these people, I was like, from what their point of view was about books, I was like, so Hemingway would not be someone you'd be interested in publishing. Like his kind of, like they just want like fluffy, fun, fun stuff.
3: Are you indicting the entire... Just these people. Is, I, I think you really got paired with clearly. You're, you know, you're with the wrong, you're with the wrong crowd.
1: I always seem to end up with the wrong crowd.
3: Well, it's, just, it's a one thing though. It's, a, it's just a chance. How did your lawyer thought this would be a good fit?
1: Uh, he just gave it to this guy, and this manager loved it, and he, he wanted to turn it in because it's like each.
3: But why did the manager go to these these people? I. I have no idea. Is Liddy. that his only? I think his, they work together a is lot. Is that the only arrow in his little quiver? I mean, can he go somewhere else?
1: It might be his only quiver. I could ask him.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's, if he's in the business, right? I mean, yeah, he doesn't. Again, don't listen to me, but he doesn't want.
1: Oh, I just, I, I don't know if he, how much he wants to work with me. I think he just oh, thought he could see this one he thing. It was an easy shot. He thought it would be a great television series. So, I don't know. I haven't had an agent or a manager in like years. But,
3: what about your pal, Jonah? He can help you out, right?
1: Maybe. He's producing my record album.
3: There you go. Just keep catching favors from him. He'll stay your friend forever. <laughs> That's how to stay friends with people. I'll just help him.
1: He's, You know, he bought a house. I, I don't know anything. They just, I think they just got it like the day before New Year's. They're moving in in a month. Where's he at? He's going to be in Highland Park. Of course.
3: Nice. Yeah.
1: It's an, I saw pictures of it. It's a nice little place. But... I'll just help him move, so that'll make up for him producing my... When it, When's p- the move? G- I think he said January 15th.
3: It's coming up.
1: It is. I'll help him move. That'll make up for the record where album.
3: Do you know where it is? is it near Mark's house? I
1: don't. I feel it's like M- Figueroa-ish. Mm. In the in the cool stuff. Joe, Of course, Jonah Ray's going to be in the cool stuff.
3: He's a cool guy. Island Park, Yeah. <laughs> This is Highland Park adjacent. This is are. great up here.
1: It's, it's, it's easy to get lost up in your neighborhood.
3: That's the point. Yeah, for a while I was like living in the woods. And then some condos landed.
1: <laughs> where were you in the woods?
3: Up here. It was oh, like there, was oh, no, up- there was no other houses. The road wasn't paved. It was, there was no retaining wall on the side. It was wild ass, man. I got how, civilized.
1: How long have you been in this house?
3: I don't have much of a grasp on chronology I don't either, but somewhere between like five years and seventy
1: <laughs> you once and this is a total in you said once in just kind of been passing mm-hmm. that you thought about being a yogi Did you well, say... when
3: I was a youngster oh yeah, i thought me a, you... a young man of uh twenty, I got whisked away is it twenty yeah, twenty whisked away to a uh silent retreat by this but with this ballet dancer I was seeing. I Oh no no I'm saying with this other girlfriend. Then I started seeing about <laughs> silently I started <laughs> cheating horribly on the woman I went with with this ballet dancer I met at the silent retreat. So uh and then we got caught but nobody could say anything because it was a silent retreat, so I had that going for me.
1: That's incredible. I would I think if I caught Somebody cheating on me in a silent retreat, I'd be like, oh, silence is off.
3: I I was, just a, I was a dick. I mean, there's just no A silent dick, but I was.
1: That's impermanent midnight, isn't it?
3: Probably. I think you I'm, it I'm is. just cannibalizing my own bullshit. <laughs> but you brought it up. I mean, so. No, no, I know. I just because yeah.
1: I had a phase where I was like, oh, maybe I'll. No, but I,
3: I still, I mean, I think I, I could disappear into Yoga Land. Not that I can. I, I stopped going to yoga here because it just, you know, as soon as shit just becomes horribly trendy, it's it's harder to find the the right version of it.
1: Yeah, it's everywhere. I did Bikram for a while.
3: Good for you. Yeah. It's- <laughs> no, I mean, that's great. It's hard as fuck. People swear by it.
1: I've heard mixed things from like actual yoga. Te- they say like you can hurt yourself easier. Well, the or- thing
3: he did was he, he came in and patented it. He patented these age-old, ancient. So he's, he's like the Monsanto of yoga. Yeah, that's you really... Know, they patented seeds, and like all yeah. these <laughs> Indian farmers drank pesticides and killed themselves. He, he sort of put a lot of yogis out of little independent yoga places out of business. Look at Jerry Stahl, the voice of little, yogas, little <laughs> yogis. Little yogis. It's just one of my many mantles. Did you, I wear.
1: When did you stop doing
3: yoga? What, did, no, what I, of... I can still do it. I just don't go to... Oh. I do it in New York. I love the classes in New York because I learned from the integral yoga with Swami Satchidananda. Really? My man. He was the, uh, the Woodstock Swami, apparently. He spoke of Woodstock. But um, it's nice and it's slow. I don't like the marine yoga. I don't like the no pain, no gain, I like westernized yoga. Yeah. Life's painful enough. It is. Most pathetic is thing some... I may have ever said.
1: <laughs> As you say, are acidic. you a Buddhist? Uh, you know. I don't know. That's ex- I, when that,
3: what the Buddha would say. I just try say, to be a non-doucheist.
1: That's the, yeah.
3: You know, everything, this, everything it, above non-doucheism is gravy.
1: Know if, if I'm getting older or I'm just like, I find myself being more agitated by everything now, which is not but, good. Yeah, yeah, man. Not good. I'm going to have that heart attack I'm fearing.
3: Well, I mean, I understand. I mean, I, I, I'm an internalizer. You know, I angst. But uh, you know, are are you an act of like scream out of your car window at people? Kind of agitated?
1: No, because uh, we live in a city where a lot of people have guns and so yeah. But
3: if if you can't control your reason, then you just
1: oh no, I don't. I I internalize it, but I find myself
3: I getting. I've been mouthing off to people at the bar though. Really? So you just basically have a suicidal drive to, <laughs> to prevent ever having to get married. I think that's what's happening.
1: Maybe I'm just getting cold feet, and this is my way of sabotaging. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah.
3: If you get really just kind of like. Somebody cleans your clock.
1: But it's just, people, uh, I I feel like people are losing their sense of manners
3: and social... Here, (laughs) here. Are they? Are they ripping up the doilies at your house?
1: (laughs) Yes. No one says please... And by
3: the way, you look good in an ascot. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You look very, very suave. Um, Well, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's okay. Is it how just happened this year or they did they have manners? no it's
1: always i mean i feel but so, i feel like it's deteriorating Did they
3: just yell at you and call you names and
1: shit uh i that's yeah
3: that's happened I mean, what minutes. how does it manifest this lack of management? sometimes
1: people order something and then they'll just like get on their phone and not give you money and they'll they won't say please they won't say thank you they don't tip for sure
3: why they they just so distracted with their devices that's i'm interesting I've, that's interesting
1: I yeah. feel social media has. I've read a thing recently, or it was maybe it was on NPR. But how that the whole anti-vaccination trend has was actually spawned by uh, social
3: media, and it, maybe that's what they want you to think. Maybe. You never, I'm not taking a side. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> and it's rich people. It's like Pacific Palisades, and like those are the hotbeds for. Uh,
3: the anti-vax movement. Have you ever read that parody Twitter site? I think it's called Los Filas Daycare. No. Where they don't accept any child who's been vaccinated. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty hysterical.
1: I saw a sign today for like whooping cough shots. And I think, wasn't whooping cough like...
3: I don't know. When we were having a, our baby in Texas. You had your baby in Texas? Yeah. Your recent baby? Yes. We did in Austin. Well, that's a cool time to have a baby. Well, you know, I think I told you that whole story in one of your our other podcasts where I was getting that weird hep C treatment and couldn't be near a pregnant woman. Oh. I, or it would be born the baby would be born with like flippers and horns.
1: I didn't. I don't think you did talk about
3: that. Yes. Well I had hepatitis C. I was dying for decades and then I got accepted to this trial drug program at Cedars right around the same time that the uh my soon-to-be, soon-to-be new wife, I I can't even say the word, that word, wife. comfort, new, (laughs) can't say new, you reach a certain age, you just can't say new, and uh, anyway, they told me, uh, yeah, just whatever you do, you can't be near a pregnant woman, because even if, as as the nurse put it, even if I, I won't do her accent, which would make me sound like an asshole, (laughs) But even if, like, a drop of sweat came out and she touched that sweat in the bed, the drugs were so toxic really that the baby could just, you know, purple with wheels. Wow! So, long story short, uh, her family's in Austin, so she went to Austin. And then, uh, when I got through the treatment, and they said they gave me the all clear because you know, you can't give a baby a birth defect if she only has like three days left in the womb. Knock on wood, we'll see. We'll see what sprouts. (laughs) We'll see when that, you know, third ear comes out of her forehead. But, um, so that's why we did it. They actually had a Jew panel. They had this thing when we we were getting those tests to see. The baby was okay. They asked if, now you you look like you want the Jew panel. You know, they just announced it to the whole. I I had such Jew shame. You want the Jew panel? For Tay-Sachs, basically, which is, you know... essentially a Jewish disease. So we got the Jew panel, the Texas Jew panel. And
1: that's how they said it, Jew panel. Jew
3: panel. They want the Jew
1: panel. I'd love that there's <laughs> certain parts of the country that just don't hide it anymore. If they have any more. or are still. We're going to get back to the conversation here in one moment, but I just want to take out this time to uh, make you aware of, if you go to my page at feralaudio.com, the Conversations with Matt Dwyer page, and if you click on the Amazon link and if you use that anytime you purchase things like uh, groceries, um, medicine, shampoo, DVDs, Feral Audio and Conversations with Matt Dwyer gets a kickback of that money, and that can help us uh, keep our lights on and buy equipment. I currently ne- desperately need a new recorder so I can do more extensive interviews with more than two people at a time. Uh, this would help me out greatly. You can also donate through that donate button on my pages as, as well um so if you really want to buy me a new zoom recorder that would be awesome thank you very much for listening back to the conversation when i was in atlanta like that tension is still pretty not sure i told that story very well
3: the I, might, I, might have panel one? I might have drifted right I've i
1: was in there the whole time you were in there with i was me? in there okay, with okay, you the right. whole time
3: you know i'm not like uh, i'm not a professional storyteller just uh, on paper
1: that's yeah. Well, I mean, that's going to back. Are you nervous right now? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling relaxed? I feel good. Good, all right. I'm a little worn down by the holidays and whatnot. Yeah, I was surprised
3: you scheduled this. I figured you just want to sleep between shifts. That's uh, yeah.
1: Usually Sunday is a big do nothing day. Do you want to lie down while you're talking? Oh yeah, that'd be very There's therapeutic. Right there.
3: <laughs> oh, there is that. Yeah, sure. That's uh, wouldn't be the first. I, you know I do that in the side, but I can't advertise.
1: Do, oh, you do therapy on the side? Of course. Of course. I, I I was thinking about going back, but I'm conflicted. I think maybe if I just meditated more, I maybe that would just clear my the head. Important
3: the important thing is to not meditate, but beat the shit out of yourself for not doing it. Which <coughs> will take your mind off your other shortcomings. If
1: I'm not beating myself up about something, I'm sleeping. Do you ever meditate? I used to uh, every day. Yeah. You do, right? How no. long do you meditate for? I was doing a half hour every day. Look at you. It was pretty good. What position were you in? Uh, I can't do the cross my leg thing because it's... Uh, I'd sit in a chair and I'd kind of half ass cross my legs. You cross <laughs> your legs in a chair, <laughs> like
3: a gentle lady. Yeah, I get, well, my that's... legs aren't very f- flexible or they're pretty shitty legs. But you, when you say cross, you just like you basically sit like this. Well, like.
1: Or, you know, like Indian style. Oh,
3: I see what you mean. What do they call that? the Indian gesture again. The half lotus. Yeah, the half lotus. Like this. I can't do
1: that. You can do that.
3: I find it sort of weirdly comfortable because it just soothes those rheumatoidal kneecaps.
1: I don't... Yeah. Maybe that's what my problem is because my knees, my joints... I had some fucked up joints.
3: You're falling apart, man.
1: I had to switch to sad news. I I can only wear tennis shoes now. (laughs) Because if I wear, like... Shoe shoes, that everything hurts.
3: Punishing gig. I mean, you're on your feet for like eight hours, right? Six. That ain't nothing.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's my only gig. It's floor like. They they put like a rubber mat down. Rubber mat? Yeah, they do that. But the old school bars, they used to just have like wood floors. That must have been brutal.
3: I used to work at a bar in uh, London, an Irish pub. It was easier than what you do because basically in, in an old school Irish pub, it's either just like whiskey or beer a million kinds of beer and a few kinds of whiskeys that was it I would love that and if you didn't or gin or whatever nobody drank mixed drinks yeah unless you count a shandy which is like lemonade and you know bitters or some shit
1: how did you end up in bartending in
3: oh it's a long story I was living over there and you know I was living in Greece and I ended up in yeah I was 20 I was wandering around
1: I wish I would have done more I didn't do any of that I well, toured it though. It
3: was a different time. You toured.
1: I toured. But you know, you know, you don't get to meander.
3: Yeah, but it's much cooler to go somewhere where you're actually doing something.
1: Yeah, I do like going on I like traveling and doing shows because it's kind of
3: So, what is on your album? I Speaking of doing shows. It's only going to be part
1: the part of stand it's only going to be a little bit of stand up. I
3: get that. What's the rest of it? Inspirational readings?
1: Uh, there is going to be uh, some of those short pieces I've written, but mm-hmm. I might have other people do voices and stuff
3: like celebrity voices
1: uh, yeah, or well that would be the characters but they, some of them oh, might I be oh I
3: see I thought you meant you were going to have like you know oh, so many celebrity friends come in.
1: Uh, I'm gonna. Mean, I'm going to I don't want to say what the whole thing but there's going to be a concept there. Sick. what's the concept oh I just don't want to ruin it until it comes I want it when oh, it comes I out see. but there'll be like a narrator it's going to be a whole like presented as a whole piece I'm going to have a song on there mm-hmm. that I'm really excited about with uh, doing with this guy Mike O'Connell who's pri- I would I don't throw the word genius around the guy's like one of the most creative people I've ever known in my life. Hmm. Hilariously funny, an amazing writer, and like a, a incredible guitarist. <clears throat> He's like one day he taught himself how to play like Django Reinhardt, just like by figuring it out on his own.
3: I was that's that's genius. I think it's pretty impressive. It took oh. me two years to just spell Django. <laughs> <laughs> what,
1: what, what, what did they say, Jupen? I'm f- I'm kind of stuck on that. Mm. I'm just amazed because like, I mean, I guess in Chicago people are like, there's a, they keep their bigotry sort of tucked in. They'd like, they'll, you know, it's a bad neighborhood if it's, you know, that means there's black people there or Mexicans.
3: That's, that's the code.
1: That's bad. Yeah. It's a bad neighborhood. My mom actually once said uh, about a white girl who dated a black guy that she, uh, she must not like herself. Hmm. That's not so hidden. That's not so tucked <laughs>
3: But it, it's it, what makes it really poignant is how well-meaning it is. Yeah, she wants girl to... Poor doesn't really like
1: And then two of my brothers married Mexicans, so that should be... Because
3: uh, they don't feel good about themselves. They don't like themselves.
1: I guess it's okay to marry Mexican women, but I guess it's bad for...
3: Do you have sisters?
1: No sisters. So Four you, older your brothers. Your mom didn't
3: have to confront that.
1: No. My mom, I believe, still says colored. And then they say racism doesn't exist anymore.
3: Nobody really says that.
1: I can't believe... Well, I have a... F- uh, I well, I was going to say friend but I I don't
3: I mean how can who, you say that given what goes on in this country that's insane
1: Especially with this stuff with no, but who like sa- that's
3: them. like nobody's saying that
1: I have a friend who equates... Uh, not friend a person I know I misused friend but
3: he will like I know I know uh, you do
1: <laughs> But he associates everything with like white guilt like he'll be like oh that's white guilt Like I was I there was like a they were doing a few years ago they were doing a reenactment of like the uh an Gay and the the bombings mm-hmm. in uh, some place in Ohio. And I was like, I posted the article. I was like, who thought this was a good, like, that's
3: a horrible They're reenacting the dropping of the atomic bomb.
1: Yes. I don't know how, because I've recently told this story, but they were like, it was like a celebration of it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's horrible because millions of innocent people were killed. And mm-hmm. he's like, that's white guilt. He's like, you're having white guilt. That was a glorious moment for this country. <laughs> And it ended yeah. the war, which is also a very debatable fact. No, if it didn't
3: end the war. We had already won. Yeah, that's what... We just wanted to show the Russians that we had the bomb.
1: Yeah, that's what... We clearly... I mean, Jap- Japan, if I'm not mistaken, was already yeah. ready to surrender, if not... Yeah, that's
3: right, yeah.
1: How do people still fucking believe this bullshit?
3: Because, you know, mainstream is the mainstream.
1: Yeah. And then he... This person also, when the Ferguson stuff happened, was like... He's like, there wouldn't be any riots if somebody shot me. When you say this
3: person, is it really you? Is it really just some part of you that you don't... Oh, yeah. I have this friend who... I have this very secret racist side of me that... I have a little racist friend in my pocket. (laughs) I have a pocket racist. Here, let me put him on a table. (coughs) Uh, I I think that could be very lucrative. You could have a pocket racist, racist, and then they could say all the things you couldn't. Yeah, you can get away with it then. Mm -hmm. It's not me. It's my pocket racist. But I, I feel like uh, a bigger problem is you're more of an entrepreneur you're always coming up with ideas oh yeah
1: little racist ideas
3: do, is the title of your
1: album a secret i have no idea what it is yet Okay. because i haven't the, a lot of it i have to write and create still so i'm kind of i thought
3: this was already to happen
1: i'm just recording i'm d- recording part of it live uh in a couple weeks where are you going to do it Oddly, and this is Jonah's idea, I'm really nervous about it at the bar I work.
3: When can, when can I see it? It'll is it be, by invitation only?
1: Oh, yeah, no, you can just show up. It'll be uh, Saturday the 17th. Night or day? Day, 4 o'clock show. The perfect time. I'm in, man.
3: Um, Let me know. Hesitant to... I'll email you. Yeah, um, don't I'd tell be- too many people, because then you'll feel bad when they don't come.
1: <laughs> I had a friend walk in yesterday, and he thought it was... He's like, is your... He called it a concert. I was like, there's probably, you know, 100 people can fit in this place. But it's just, it's a weird place to do a comedy show. There's a stage, but it's.
3: Do you feel uh, nervous doing it where you work, or or are they like your family?
1: It is kind of like having my family come to a show, because it's. And that's never something I want. It's
3: allies. It is.
1: Uh, But it's also, you know, somebody could probably wander in and one of those, the growling, angry, homeless guy could come in.
3: Nothing could be better. (laughs)
1: Um, no, I'm trying to prepare myself for something to go completely wrong. What's the worst thing that could happen? Somebody screams at me. I There's nothing. I mean, it's worse comes to worse is we just record it again somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, it's causing me a lot of anxiety.
3: Are you afraid that the laughter will be so loud they can't hear what you're saying? <laughs> or what? I mean, what are your fears? I've never had that fear in my you life.
1: Know. No. Just that something will go
3: off wrong. Yeah.
1: It's well, a strange place. But Jonan likes the, uh, sort of the punk rock aspect of it. Can't argue with that. I Yeah, I like it. I think in theory it would be great. And I'm also going to do a piece with this guy, Michael Connell. Where, so I'll the be genius. There. The genius. I consider you a genius, by the way.
3: Well, I taught myself how to play Django <laughs> Langley. <Langheit. laughs>
1: well, while alo- rendered blind. I fatty
3: alone to me. Well, thank you. Which I, you know, I mentioned don't we, get me on the rant about how it's out of print and cannot come back in
1: i don't that's infuriating we, we tried i tried to get this twitter thing rolling
3: yeah thank you i thought and then they hashtag nobody
1: gives <laughs> a shit that's <laughs> uh that's a book i think everybody should read and anytime like people are looking that's one of the top I well, see, very is. kind of you it's incredible
3: thank you thank you are you you're working on a novel now aren't you I always got something going i have a, I have a collection. Myself coming out in February, I think that's right the or one March. that I
1: that you didn't know was coming out, and the one I reminded you of
3: yeah, yeah, I'm now trying to write some new shit for it, because reading overall it's a collection, which means if I were very diligent, I'd be reading over all the stuff that's already come out and improving it, but I don't like reading my own work that much, so i'm it's cringy. You know? that's why I wrote so many
1: short pieces, because it's easy to rewrite re- and reread. Yeah. Well, these but are the short,
3: but I still can't
1: read them. The memoir thing is like going through that over and over again is maddening. Why are you going through it over and over? Just cleaning it up. Oh. What's that one called? I don't have a title for that one yet.
3: How much of it is about your your father's accidental gun death?
1: The I guess, I mean, it's a constant thing because it's... It's the first chapter. Is all of that how it happened and what went down,
3: and then the post. What's your tone? Is it? Are you being funny as you write?
1: A lot of it's funny. It's hard to be funny. Oh, you made a good joke though. That once when we talked about this, and I was like, I need to remember that about my father's death. I was like, I need to. Of the joke death. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you made a joke about which I I love making jokes about my dead dad, but I don't. Uh, that is hard to remove your to make funny or amusing i'm trying to find ways around only it. if
3: you're a human not a sociopath <laughs> so. i can do it but you know, yeah if you have a hard time i, I understand uh i th- yeah i mean I think in, intellectually
1: you know i think around yeah around it i can Everything <clears throat> anything after that i feel is there's a pretty f- fun tone to it there's also some stuff about me getting beat up by the kids in the neighborhood that probably is pretty gruesome I told you, like, some guys yeah. handcuffed me to a railing and stripped me naked at a party. Mm-hmm.
3: Good times. How old were you? Probably 13, 14. And were your classmates
1: there? Oh, there was a ton of people there. Girls I liked and everything. It was like a party. My friend's mom would buy us. We would give her money. And were there... <coughs> no, nobody defended you? Nope. They laughed. They really got in there <laughs> and enjoyed themselves. No one ever defended me or my other friend.
3: And were there any repercussions to the people who did that?
1: La- not.
3: I, mean, wh- I assume you didn't rat anybody out, so you probably just held it in. Anyway. No, nothing
1: ever. Ha- nothing ever happened. One guy ended up committing suicide years later. So the that, guy
3: who chained you up,
1: he, the main bully, really went into a garage and did the old hose in the window thing.
3: Yeah, I. I know a little bit about that. Interestingly, a lot of people try to do that now and with unleaded all you get is a really bad headache. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. So the Wow. The, you know, the paramedics like, oh you moron, you know.
1: Is that how your dad did it?
3: Yes, but that was pre unleaded. I don't what, think he did the hose. What about diesel? Don't know. I, I think diesel would work. I, I, I feel half to. I mean, I get a little woozy walking by a diesel.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
3: You might actually have to cup your mouth around the Exhaust pipe, just to be safe. Isn't that
1: supposed to be a relatively peaceful way, to the old-school lead gas way? Interestingly
3: enough, the Nazis used to call the people who died that way tarts because before there were the showers and Zyklon B, they would put people in trucks and attach a hose, Jews or gypsies, put them in trucks, and then just drive around until the truck filled with carbon monoxide and killed them. And one of the effects is... Your capillaries kind of burst, and you're so. Long story short, you have very red cheeks and very, very pronounced red lips. So it literally looks like you died, well, in full, you know, makeup. Wow, I never knew that. So there's an image of of my late father that I can have. Do you I, found him? No, I didn't find him. No, I'm just saying oh. I, I, mentally, I can. You can. You can create that fierce, give yourself that gift <laughs> it's you know when I discovered that I just thought wow I, I could have lived without knowing this but now you know I see the tarted up corpse tarted up dad corpse I mean that's not that's not a great image it's not something you can make a joke about
1: no no yeah, most of the images and thoughts I have of my
3: father are the, that Do you feel era. like he can look down from heaven and see what you see You like when you're masturbating <laughs>
1: That's what I oddly masturbate, too. Your dad? Y- y- my dad watching me from heaven masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's this weird
3: circle, because he probably is, and then I am. God, you know, everything just fits for you. <laughs> it's like a plug in a socket. <coughs> How's your cough?
1: It's good. It's from laughing. So oh, man, do you have a laugh cough? I, mean, I have a, a laugh off. cough. I have, uh, yeah. Did, did, did you, Was your father's death a very. Like, do you feel like that's part of the reason you write? I think I may have asked this before. I can't remember.
3: Well, I remember at the time feeling a great feeling of relief. Like, now I have an excuse to be as fucked up as I've felt already. Except now I have a legitimate reason, you know? So, in a way, it was kind of liberating.
1: Yeah, I felt. And it's. I think most people would look down upon this. But, what, but you
3: were younger than me. You were 14, right? I was. 12
1: i can't remember if i was 12 or 13 Yeah, see, i was 16, I ju- was I right was 16
3: so i'm sure you had it a lot harder that's still pretty well it's just a different phase of crucial fuck upable development yeah
1: but i kind of in a weird way think that if my father would have continued to do damage to me not that that didn't do a lot of yeah i got a, a different point, kind of man. damage
3: yeah that's a very interesting point yeah
1: because I, I often wonder, like, I once tried to go home and get advice from my mom and realized, I was like, oh, fuck, this is, like, terrible. <laughs> like, I, my girlfriend threw me out. I was, like, homeless and jobless. And I was like, I'll just go home for a couple of days, regroup. You and thought mom
3: would be the person to oh, yeah, get, uh, get you over the home? I pretty
1: much turned around immediately and went back to Chicago because I was like, oh, this was a, the worst idea ever.
3: Yeah, she wasn't there for you. She,
1: yeah, I think she wanted to. She just wasn't, isn't capable. But, I mean, I was like, the well, if... The problem my, was she
3: didn't care maybe she didn't she just didn't really like you know what that's she was my
1: i kind of like after my dad died she checked out and i kind of just Mm. lived in my own world but my brothers everyone a lot of people would imply that she was never a good mother (laughs) but
3: did your brothers look out for you you got four older brothers right
1: uh one beat the shit out of me pretty regularly the rest were pretty much out of the house
3: when they heard that you had been chained up i don't know if they did hear about it they never, I that always... An ex- I mean, is that the, trauma, aside from your father dying, is that the key event of your childhood? It's a pretty I mean, notable I, I, I one. I can't. Does your, book, your book has to start with that.
1: It started with the dad being shot, or, dad, well, dad dad shooting. I don't know, man. You think that being chained to a...
3: Tough, they're both, they're both, they're both great. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're both... They're two of my big hits. They're both showstoppers, so... <laughs> When you do the movie version, you could just think. You know. you know, it's that pulp thing. You know, you always start at the moment of highest action. Yeah. That's, That's what I thought talks. maybe the
1: dad, dead yeah. thing was, but maybe.
3: What was he doing? He was doing a gun trick? He, was cl- he wasn't cleaning his gun. He was making a joke with his gun. He was, he was just,
1: life. no, he was saying we were going to take a camping to, to my mom.
3: We were going to take the gun camping?
1: Yeah, we were going to go camping at, I believe, a place called Starved Rock, and there was some trouble, and Dad was saying to my mom.
3: He was holding the gun while he was saying that. Yeah, in I his thought was, I thought he was joshing around. Or no,
1: around. no. Oh. But uh, he was known to do a lot of dumb things with guns. That he was real. That favorite. was kind of his thing. He would shoot it into he, the. Wasn't his
3: nickname "Dumb Gun"? <laughs> dumb guns, to wire. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean because it just sounds. Like yeah, it still has a ring to this day. It's a. It's amazing. Dumb uh, guns too. That n- could be, that could be totally memorable. <laughs> it's
1: amazing he didn't.
3: Do it sooner, or or kill you, or he probably could have. I mean, now when you hear heard about that two year old who accidentally oh, that was just like recently, threw right? Her mom away? That's fucking
1: boy. Talk about it. I mean,
3: I mean, do you like do you identify with accidental gun death victims?
1: I do. The I mean, li- it's, the
3: living and the dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's definitely rings because
3: uh, the living are victims too. Matt, they are. <laughs> no, it's true. But that. that kid's gonna be fucked for life. It sounded obnoxious, but it was kind of. You think?
1: The kid, I mean... Ex- Only if
3: people tell her what she did, she might forget. Yeah. If nobody ever tells her that she committed patricide or mama s- matricide.
1: Yeah, that's kind of... A tough call. But I mean, because I mean, eventually somewhere down the road, you're going to probably find out. Yeah. Especially with Google. Like one exactly. of your classmates finds it. Kids are already cruel in high school. Could yeah. you imagine if you're the one who shot your mom at two? Like,
3: I don't know. I'm grudging respect.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That just you just might be, like maybe she's just that little kid's a thug, a fucking badass little street kid.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's tough to say. She's already got one little tear tattooed <laughs> under her eye. Have you ever fucked around with guns?
1: I mean, they're fun. I won't lie. like shooting at a gun range is
3: kind of. I've never shot at a gun range. Closest stuff I've come is uh, I st- I was oddly. I hooked up with some woman who had somehow been seeing, caretaking, sleeping—you know—something know, with an old man who died, and we were in Beverly Hills, next to Larimatage of all places. He had this little town going through his shit, and I found on a top shelf this beautiful three fifty-seven, just gorgeous, you know, um, blue blue steel as they say, not to reference Zoolander, and. I used to carry it around, and point it at people periodically. But really? I, I have no, I didn't have anything in it. I wouldn't have known how to do it. How'd anything. that feel to point a gun at somebody? Stupid. <laughs> stupid, but marginally effective, or not even. You know what? More like sort of like having it, being that guy. But it was just stupid. It was just junky crackhead shit. I mean, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't like a gangster or anything. Yeah, we well, had, I was a lying moron, basically. We had rifles on, like
1: we had rifles mounted. Yes, yeah, so you're a man's man. Oh, we yeah. It, I, my house
3: was riddled with guns. Yeah, and it was like for fucking. And, and your teenagers. father taught you gun safety, right? No, really. <laughs> D- nobody taught him gun safety. N- I guess is what happened. N-
1: right? No, he. Yeah, my brothers, my one brother would steal his guns all the time and go, booze up in the forest and shoot guns at bottles and stuff well that's kind of all american it is it, but then my brother ended up blaming himself because he feels like if he didn't fuck around with the gun then my dad wouldn't have shot himself
3: well that's <clears> a stretch <throat> huh poor bastard yeah what's he, he went, doing now uh, we don't speak <laughs> what are your brothers doing are they uh my oldest brother So basically all they do is not talk to you
1: yeah i talked to a couple brothers I don't specifically. Are you, talk are you them. close with any of them? My oldest brother, I'm really close with, and what's his wife. What does he do with his wife? He does. Uh, he does the ramp service at United Airlines. He puts the luggage on your plane.
3: Mm-hmm. Physically? Uh, yeah, I think he, he might be the thing. And
1: I don't know. I know he, he's kind of like a crew mm. guy, like boss now, but he nice. he's also very like locally politically active, which I really for respect. Politics. Yeah, I think he might have run. I don't sure if he ran for a seat, but like he's but he's very. Locally active, which I really respect. Where at? In Chicago? He's out in the fucking sticks somewhere. Mm. Some old, like, little, nice, little quaint Mm. town. And then my other brother does, he's an executive of some sort. Self-made executive.
3: Self-made exec?
1: Yeah, he didn't, you know, didn't go to college, Mm -hmm. that whole thing. That ain't easy. And my other brother, as it was, works in construction, has a degree to teach math and English, but construction pays better. Yeah, he was a union organizer for a while, which I thought was.
3: I love this. you got a political family.
1: Yeah, his, what did
3: your old man do before?
1: He laid asphalt mm-hmm. and failed at everything else. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. He
1: tried to. He he That's worked, a good role model for you. He was a, not a good. Yeah, he was in the uh, Outlaws though, the motorcycle gang. Yeah, but that's in the fifties when it was. Uh, they weren't like they are now. Keep it was the
3: guy's props. Man. <laughs> man. Come on, He was a fucking. It's gang. pretty cool. I told you though, his yeah. grandf-
1: his dad was a, like a hitman for Carl McCormick and all that. Yeah, his dad. His dad was hung out with the Purple Gang in Detroit, mm-hmm. which was a, a Jewish gang. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how he got. He was an Irish Catholic. Mm-hmm. But the, and the Purple Gang wasn't known for being very savvy. I guess they were known just for being very violent. And that's how they. Yeah. So many people. They were just ter- people were terrified of them. So mm-hmm. they. Got, then he ran liquor for Capone. But I think everybody's grandfather ran liquor for Capone in Chicago. Like I mine fi- didn't. He should. Oh, uh, he was a judge, so maybe he took bribes from. No, them. That was my old man. Oh, you—that's right. What did your grandfather do?
3: Uh, one of them ran a junkyard, and one of them was shot. When my father was too. Really? Yeah. When in, in the old country. We have a lot of th- themes yeah.
1: in our lives
2: that.
3: Well, it was a different thing. It was like you know, um, a pogrom kind of thing. They were just. What's you know, pogrom? I don't know. What it, is. It's when like, um, Poles or Russians would, or nots, whatever. They just shoot Jews. Come roaring into town and shoot Jews. Holy and, shit! Yeah. That's crazy. Or kill them, or round them up, or whatever. Is
1: that? I'm guessing that's in Europe then.
3: Uh, I mean, not that
1: that doesn't only happen because here. Because it's harder to get
3: away with here, you know. Yeah. I'm sure they would. They would ride herd on Jews if they could.
1: I like that this country really denies a lot of that. These things exist. I mean, it's hard to. Well, at this I, point,
3: do they deny it, or does anybody just not? that interested in it I mean I don't think they deny it oh you mean deny that it exists here in our society yeah oh, like people it. I think people who are these like people to t- you talk to who think race I mean <laughs> well, after all the shit like, that's gone down and all the oh not I mean I'm mean, pre this cop stuff kids have been killed I mean it was like how can you say that
1: no I mean pre but like people when Obama got uh, elected and stuff people are like oh that's it's 2008 I know on, man. oh I didn't mean to negate to yeah. ne- avoid the cop thing of course that's come on <laughs> <laughs> no that's put like, your gun away in, insanely how it seems like that's only made the cops get worse. Do you
3: talk to people at your bar? Uh I like are you that bartender? Depends. Do you have friends? I mean, guys you only know from the bar who are your friends? Yeah. The regulars? I've, there's regulars who come do in. They tell you their problems in that cliché way.
1: No one really tells me. I do try to eavesdrop once in a while. Uh but I have guys people who come in and like try to talk to me and like try to talk about the cubs there's one guy who's really it's he's so fucking lonely (laughs) like it's like bars you know there's a little loneliness oh yeah Yeah. and this guy always sits by himself and he'll he'll uh you know he'll be like oh i was in here last night and Mm. you know we were just having a blast and Lindsay was here it's like yeah well she has to she works here (laughs) it's like and it's like it's heartbreaking and i'm like i'm this guy probably doesn't even like drinking but it's like a place he can go to and
3: and he was like there he was like
1: oh you guys should have came in on Christmas day and it's like
3: well we it, have lives yeah oh that's that's i love this guy there was one what's year what's his
1: name i don't know his name i should oh, god there was one year though i worked christmas day like in the afternoon and a like a internet singles club came in i don't even know what that means it was like th- they'd never met before mm. it was like a singles organization like hey come
3: spend christmas we have nowhere to go yeah yeah and it was and it was sounds t- great <laughs> it was th-
1: but it was like people
3: let their inhibitions go
1: they were all very like mousy and and sort of you know that's beautiful it was but it was like also really sad cuz it's like they have this is you have nothing you have nowhere to go on christmas day no one to go to except for these i'm sure we're just depressing everybody <laughs>
3: This thing. But it was like it was like I was... Depressing everybody or confirming that they're not alone? Maybe. In their sadness? It makes me thankful that I
1: have people in my life because it's like, man, there's just levels of loneliness. Do you
3: have people in your life? Do you? I, I don't know. No, you do. You're going to get married soon, man. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. You're taking a leap. Number three. Do you stay in touch with one and two? No. Two is, uh, is a crazy person. What form does that take?
1: Uh, I think there was possibly some, I think I might have told you this, but there was some, definitely some, um, a person, a friend of mine who was a psychiatrist, when she heard some of the stories about her, she was like, oh, she has a a personality disorder. Uh, She lied to me about some abuse that happened. Uh, it was
3: like pathological. Saying it happened or saying it didn't happen? S-
1: lied about it saying it happened. Mm. It was a lie that had gone on years before she had met me and she just kept it going.
3: How and do you know it was a lie? Because wow.
1: one day I came home after I was out with a couple of my buddies having cocktails. Uh-oh. And uh, I came home and she's like, we need to talk. And I was like, I was actually pretty drunk. And she's like, uh, "That all that stuff I told you about my uncle was not
3: true. Yeah, but you know what? She... Had a reason when she thought she had to do it, and she could trust you enough to say, you know, I didn't happen.
1: Yeah, that was that was just one.
3: Oh, (laughs) then there was a time. I don't know why I'm defending her.
1: (laughs) There was a time she came back. Well, because she also then she kind of expected to be like praised for coming clean, exactly, and not uh, understanding how I was like I was like really confused by it.
3: And then you found out it really did
1: happen. Then she claimed it was she, but she had a path, uh, a history of kind of using it to try to get money. Did, that, did you give her money? I, I gave her money. Yeah, that happened. She try, She was like going to try to sue Starbucks for a while because she's some guy uh, brushed up against her, and she said it triggered her past emotions. And also, did the whole they, the, the uh, what is it, repressed memory thing? Recovered is, recovered memory. That's been debunked years ago.
3: By, huh? Yes, I think around the McMartin era. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I have a guy I've interviewed on the show actually who's a big uh, sort of he's a Harvard dude who. Was a big proponent and getting at it, and okay, he's just strongly against. It. He's just like oh, against all- recovered memories. Yeah, because the, the whole repressed memories thing is like it's mm-hmm. not acknowledged by the psycho psychiatry community. I think I just
3: and we know how respectable they are because <laughs> the APA, you know, sanctioned letting their shrinks go and help develop torture programs. So I ah, think you good. can. I think you can really depend on what they say. <laughs> And value the fact that it's coming. from The but American the, Psychiatric Association. The,
1: for the good of America they're torturing. People. Fair enough. I'm just saying it was psychiatrically. That torture know. is why our gas is in the $3 range again. Fair enough. I know people who make those arguments.
3: I've heard people say it was fracking.
1: Fracking terrifies the shit out of me. Yeah.
3: But there are people who say that's why gas is cheap, even though it's... That's
1: a totally different kind of apples gas. Apples
3: and mollusks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen to us. Well, at least racism doesn't exist anymore. You're going out in the limb, man, <laughs> marching out these I things like people I pre- said. I feel like I yeah.
1: presented that incorrectly right now. It makes me look like uh, I'm uh, like, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I just mean like I do hear people say you meant, that. You were of-
3: referencing something that people said in 2008 or nine.
1: But I've heard it a little prior to this
3: whole really. T- you- t- t- pre-cop thing. Pre-cop thing. The There's pre- never really pre- been a pre-cop thing, but pre- right. I mean, the recent yeah. yeah. This this round.
1: festival. Yes. And I've, I mean, I've been fucked with cops. I've had a cop run-ins at my bar where it's just like, where I called the police and they said like, told me I said a black man. I was like, I said a white guy. Really? Yeah. And I turned to people. I was like, I said white guy, right? And they're like, Yeah, you said white guy.
3: Because they took an,
1: they took like an hour to show up. I had two huge dudes like gigantic dudes who were actually like spewing racial slurs. And I was like quite frightened, but I was like, Hey man, you guys are going to have to go. Like, I'm not going to have that. Wow. The and they're like, what if we don't leave? And I was like, I'll call the, co-. I mean, they were fucking huge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I called the cops. They took and they and they started like tipping over shit. <laughs> like, and it was like, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go over and confront these guys. Cause I'd just, that's when you need your gun. God damn
3: it. You're right. That's Makes a little man a big man. It does.
1: I need to get a gun. Well, we solved a lot of issues today.
3: Well, did uh, you know Hemingway's mother sent him the gun that his father used to to kill himself? I'm wondering if you have the gun that your father accidentally used to take himself. Out I can of this. find it. I'm Would, gonna find it. That, I mean, I think if you had that kind of totemic object while you were writing your memoir you'd really be on fire
1: i don't know what happened to it
3: oh ah, okay
1: the other guns exist somewhere no i think I just get a gun just a good any any gun will be and i'm gonna keep it loaded yeah that's
3: a, that's wise are you suicidal
1: no i've been pretty close to it i've been what i mean
3: is it a danger for you to have a loaded gun in a house Given I, your family history and your propensities. Yeah, I don't think to... Uh, You're a pretty I, upbeat kind of guy. I mean, you don't get depressed, do you? Oh, yeah, a lot. You do?
1: Yeah. I've been kind of
3: depressed lately. Are you depressed right now? Uh, this has been a nice relief. Do you me. simultaneously live a moment and regret it as it's over? <laughs> have you perfected that, or am I alone in that? <laughs> Why are we... Uh, the yeah. instant regret machine.
1: I can, I can. I can have pretty quick regret.
3: You can, you can, can live-fester? yeah yeah well, this was um you know it's hard I don't know if you've experienced this writing, but you know i when I'm writing, then I have to stop and talk and be like a human being it's hard it's
1: it's really hard
3: it's tricky in, in any kind of marriage relationship situation you gotta be and by that <laughs> suddenly I'm dr Joyce brothers from nineteen sixty six in any relationship situation but so you, I, I was like sort of writing, well not sort of. Why did I say sort of? I was just I writing. I do that a lot Straight up, I was kind of writing, and uh, there you were. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, when I came over? Yeah, let's be. let Oh, get, that's
1: a hard gear to
3: switch. Well, I, you know, I wanted to come down here to the, the intimate chambers. Yeah. The subterranean, bowels.
1: I was just just distracted. Well, we can wrap it up because we are, we are well over an hour. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this again. I did, yeah. Okay. Welcome.
2: A welcome break.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I hope you heard the wheeze that was in my throat when I just said that. There it is again. Uh, if you can, donate. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, support Feral Audio. Happy New Year, everybody.